0: Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev.
1: Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, episode 30, The Dirty 30.
0: Wow,
1: a full episode, huh, Sam? Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a long one in the making for all,
0: a long one. Yeah.
1: All, all for the wrong reasons. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that offline. <laughs> Let's
1: just say to the listeners out there, we had to cover our our well, my tracks. I ah, will throw in Tommy too, with with a few shorts here and there.
0: Yeah,
1: but we're back.
0: But, uh... We're back and hopefully this is, uh you know, this podcast is going to pick up steam. We're going to do episode 40 in, in March, maybe. Say.
1: You're asking for too much here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess today is we're going to be covering basically recent releases. Well, uh, kind of
1: pef- recent development. Yeah. Today. Yeah. I mean, before we do that, I mean, the reason why we called it Dirty 30, it's because it's our 30th episode. Uh, so, Crazy. yeah, it's. Just over three years of chit-chatting, insulting, lambasting, but most of all, just talking about watches that we like to talk about.
0: It's true. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing that uh, we've come this far. I, I actually don't know the total minutes so far of the podcast, but it, it's probably up there. Um, so with the shorts and everything. So kudos. Good, good job, Sanch. Right. This, is, uh, this is quite the achievement for us and yeah looking looking forward to many more
1: yeah and you know this is a more of a hobby than anything so if when we get the chance or or get an opportunity we try to like to record um so i mean this this podcast is based on what we like and what we don't like um so it's it's been a joy it's been fun
0: definitely and that's a caveat here uh this is strictly opinion based. Uh, we are nobody's, we, we are not experts in anything. Uh, we just
1: wanted to talk about this stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, good to
0: clear that up. Yeah, good to clear. <laughs>
1: We're no experts in that manner, but we just like reading about watches. So we just want to talk about that in a public manner.
0: All right. So speaking of watches, all right, my good friend, what are we starting off with? This
1: We're starting off with Hamilton. Their the new line of their khaki uh, brand. So I know you're a little bit iffy with the, the khaki line of things from Hamilton. Mainly to do with the size, and I yeah, I'll go a little bit more into that, and we can talk about that a bit more. But they introduced the khaki aviation converter s- series. So it's a very pilot aviation focused um, line of khaki watches, and it's they released three kinds. So they have like a, a date version. A simple three-hander, a GMT version, yeah. and a chronograph. And, you know, the way, the reason why they're able to do it, because Hamilton's part of the Swatch Group, and they're able to tap into the, the economies of scale, you know, the movements, the the cases, and all that stuff. So, um, so I'm going to break it down to you. So yeah. we'll start off with the date one. And it's a simple three-hander with a date window at the 3 o'clock and it's blacked out but you can get in two different case designs you know one is you know the brushed stainless steel case with a with a stainless steel bezel or you can get like a black pvd version with kind of like a gold uh, bezel and a crown or more like a gold plated to give it a little bit of pop
0: okay yeah i like
1: that so the one thing common with this and the other two which is the gmt and the chronograph is the bezel it's it's got a slide rule which can be used for conversions and you know calculations so it's a throwback to back in the day you know in the 50s and 60s where you know you kind of had to use manual checks um to to calculate you know things like fuel and 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 whatnot um but similar to you know the the brightling nava timer yes so (laughs) It, it kind of goes back to that era uh, or touches upon it. Uh, the case is actually 42 millimeters, which is on the bigger side, but not too large. Um, it's, it's more uh, fitting to what in today's society would prefer, um, which is what, between 40 to 42? Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. I, I watch collectors always talk about going smaller, but I mean
1: watch collectors yeah but i mean the, this for hamilton this is on the smaller side i would say
0: this yeah and i think that, that's, a, that's a that's a smart move um you know the 44 46 it that's ridiculous I, I just it's too much um 44 okay but 46 48 like they're oversized like i'm thinking of like the the frogman diver watches like mm. those things are huge man like it, it, and unwearable. I don't know. Like, well, yeah, I, this this is fine. I, I think this is within the range that's, that's workable.
1: Okay, I'll I'll bring this up um, when I'm done covering the, the three different kinds. Just talk about okay. case size. Um, but when I go to the GMT version, the case size is actually 44 millimeters, uh, so it's a little bit bigger. Uh, it's a GMT, so the around the indices. The hour marker indices there is the 24 hour bet, uh, indication as okay. well you still get the slide rule for sure um so it starts to look a little bit more busy but you can still mark make out the different um, rings let's just say of information to base your calculation on whether it's looking at the second time zone or using the slide rule if you ever wanted to use it um, the one unique thing about the GMT watch is it only comes in a blue dial, blue bezel.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Um, and you cool. can get. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, it's an interesting.
0: I I I will say this: both both the the three hander and the GMT are very attractive. I really like the design, actually. I I think it's even the the choice of the syringe hands and um, the GMT arrow. It's like a red tipped arrow. I, I I really like every decision they have made. I I'm really really. Uh, I'm really
1: attracted to it. It is. I, and you know what? They they try to keep it as clean as possible, at least for the GMT and the three hander. Um, even though it looks like there's a lot of information going on, if you can still make out what you need to look at. The yeah. one neat thing with the GMT is the dial, it's it's more symmetrical because the date window, which it has, is on the six o'clock. So okay. It va- makes it very nice and symmetrical as well. Um, and it's similar to the three-hander from a moving point of view with the additional of the GMT complication in the sense that it's the power reserve. It's 80 hours, so it's very impressive. Nice, OK. Now when we get to the chronograph, it's it looks like what you see here like the badge 7750 which is no surprise because it's based off that since watch owns uh, the eta um manufacturer so the, yeah. they, they took that and modified it and uh, they increased the power reserve to 60 hours which is a little bit less than the other two but more than say Around the 40-ish that you see with the Vacher 7750 or the ETA. Are are
0: are the GMT and three hander using that Powermatic 80
1: movement? You know what? It doesn't say, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's using some iteration. Sense that they would. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for the three hander, they call it the H10, and for for the GMT, they call it the H14, from a movement perspective, but they're all ETA based. Gotcha. Uh,
0: Which makes sense. Yeah.
1: With the chronograph. It, you can get, again, similar to the three-hander, you can get it either in the stainless steel brush case or the um, black PVD with the contrasting gold bezel. And crown and pushers are also, like, coated in this crown uh, gold, like, together. And the
0: markers and, and the and the, the uh, edge of the date window and everything are in gold as well.
1: Yes, and also in the and indices. Yes, and also in the indices as well, the outer rim, where it's not, um, ar- that surrounds the, the, the super superluminova wow okay so it it, this one i would say it's nice but it won't be my pick i think there's just quite a bit too much going on
0: i I, i'm gonna you know i'll i'll take the opposite on that i love it i think it looks awesome really even the black and gold which which is kind of a marmite flavor a marmite pick um that it looks
1: cool, man. I, I really like it. I, I really like it. Yeah, I, I, I do like how Hamilton made the effort to make everything as legible as possible. Yeah. Um I it would, is
0: a very busy dial. It the chronograph is, is very busy. There's I it's, no denying that.
1: Yeah, it is busy partly because of the inner ring of the chapter used as a slide rule as well as the bezel. It just makes it look busier. If they didn't have that inner chapter ring for, you know, calculations and put the tachymeter scale on that then yeah you take some of that information off from the dial and makes it much cleaner for sure i i yeah. do appreciate the effort i think it's it's it is nice it's attractive um but it may be a bit too much for me personally but it, it's a very well executed watch for sure
0: yeah I, I i really like it i really like
1: it. you know it's even details for example like um, the you know we always talk about the date window the day date on the chronograph or even the other watches yeah. Apart from the GMT, which might be a bit of a, a oversight, the the three hander, the chronograph, you know, because it's black dial, the background is black with contrasting lettering and num- numeral, and then even the border is also kind of like gold framed, if you get the black PVD one.
0: Yes. So yeah. and, and 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 the steel one is also very attractive too. I I, I don't want to just focus on the gold. I, I think the steel chronograph um, with the with the black bezel, um, it's also very attractive, too.
1: It is. I think I would take the steel one. I'm not too keen on the gold-black combo. Yeah. So this is actually a first for, you, for, for us here, where we have actually switched, where you went for more of the <laughs> flash.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, um, so what is the case size for the, for the chronographs?
1: It's also 44 millimeters, I believe. So it's a bit bigger than the three-hander.
0: So the the chronograph reminds me of an older uh, Hamilton reference so if, if you google um, reference 8946 which is an, a Hamilton automatic chronograph reference from the 90s I think they produced it between 1990 and 1999 very roughly you're looking at a design with black and gold accents you know black 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 dial um, and this watch it okay, has the same movement it's got the 7750 movement and the case size is 39 millimeters hmm so i i can't understand if they could do that with the same movement back then why it needs to be 44 millimeters right now
1: okay so i wonder how they measured the case so if you look at Maybe. the one the 8946 yeah. the bezel is actually very narrow yeah um if you look at the aviation converter it is a pretty big Basil. yeah, especially
0: with the two with the two rings, yeah
1: yeah, so You're counting the two rings yeah, but I do agree forty four is a bit big at the same time if it's you do big. if you do look at the chronograph, though, I mean there is a lot of information being displayed on that. Um, yeah, it's hard to, if you were to shrink it, it's hard to even read that information you I would have suggested for the GMT, which to me is actually my preference out of the three. To go 42 because there's less information that needs to be displayed less you know the complication is just the the gmt so you don't have any other registers going on from a chronograph point of view so you can downsize that that would be i I
0: have to say compared to um what am i thinking of is is it that tag hoyer no it's the breitling navitimer 8 collection oh yeah Yeah. strongly disliked with with the simple three-hander and whatnot that just didn't say to us, Navitimer. Um, I have to say, for this Hamilton collection, I can see the consistencies, consistencies in design, and I, I like every iteration that they've done. I, I, I really think they did a very good job here, um, and I I don't know why it hasn't generated a lot of buzz with watch people. Um, I I think it looks awesome. Uh, you know, a lot of people for the Hamilton automatic chronographs, they gravitate toward that intramatic, you know, panda. One, yeah, which I love as well, but I I actually think among the automatic chronograph picks, I, I would go for this this mark over that.
1: Yeah, I mean they did a really stand up job.
0: Yeah, I it, really
1: like it. it. Very thoughtful. Um, the, like I said, the only little issue is the case size, which is on the bigger side, but that's you know classic Hamilton. Yeah, um, but and the only other issue, even the watch I would prefer, which is the GMT the black uh, date window or, you know, that's the only thing, but it doesn't really bother me too much. Uh, It's just nitpicking. uh,
0: It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't match the blue of the, of the the dial. Okay. But I mean, it's Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I just love the, the, the blue that they use. It's, it's a very nice hue and like the dial, it looks very, you know, kind of like a sunburst. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: That's a, that's a Costanza reference, by the way. Pinkish
1: hue. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the cheeks. Does it have a pinkish hue? Does it have a pinkish shoe? A
0: pinkish shoe? Uh, yeah. All right. So, all right. So, how much is the chronograph? Just so okay. You
1: know. So, I'm going to break it down for you. Um, break it down. The the date one is 995 bucks. Yeah. Not the,
0: bad. Not bad.
1: The GMT is 1295. Still not bad.
0: Not bad at all, actually.
1: The chronograph. It's 1895.
0: Ooh. Okay.
1: Okay, so think about it. This watch, yeah, from a Hamilton branding perspective, it is on the pricier side. But, I mean, there are a lot of other big brands that have used this very same movement. Um, the ETA 7750, VYG 7750. And they do cost maybe even up to $1,000 more. So, yeah.
0: No, you know, even for, for, for that price, it's still very doable. I, I think that's a very reasonable price, to be honest, for a Swiss automatic chronograph. My yeah. only complaint and the thing that I wish they did was ha- I really wish, and I don't know if this is the point of this design to go super vintagey, but to use that old uh, Hamilton logo, logo. and yeah. yes, a- and the font. Now, the logo I knew you were in, gonna say that. They put that H, the old H logo, which I like. That's awesome. But the font, I really like. If you look at the Hamilton Intramatic, right? Yes. And you look at that font. That's the font I want. And I don't know why they're resisting that font so much. It just screams jet age. It screams the 60s. I think that's the font you, you, you go to sleep with. That's the one you keep. I, I don't know why they keep doing this. They keep forcing this other font. I don't want this font.
1: <laughs> You're going to stand outside of the Hamilton office. Change, Change the, the font. font. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, there's, there should be, a, you know, like a Seiko modding community. There's got to be a Hamilton modding community. Where you could just basically mod out the font. <laughs>
1: You're just gonna etch it out. Yeah. You're gonna italicize it.
0: I'm gonna use a pocket knife, you know. So <laughs> yeah, that's my only bone to pick. But no, I I think this whole collection is great. It's very well thought out. I really like the chronograph. I think
1: I both would chronograph expect
0: executions are really good. Yeah,
1: I would expect uh, this to be available in the second hand market for decent value.
0: Oh, giddy yeah. up! Yeah, I well, have,
1: well...
0: I'll have an eye open.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll let the the listeners know when it's available on
0: the When market. did this watch get released by the
1: way? Uh, a few months ago. Uh,
0: okay. So, okay, September 2020. All right. Okay. Uh, as you can as you can as you can tell episode 30 took a while, so. <laughs> so good. Okay, so next Christmas it, maybe this will be in the in the gray mark.
1: Put it this way, Tommy. This episode was like Avatar, the filming of Avatar took Avatar, to, to Avatar 2 long.
0: Remember that? Remember when, when they did Avatar and it was announced that James Cameron was already shooting two and three and it would be out in like two years and they were shooting it together. Do you remember this?
1: I have no recollection. So
0: Avatar came out, okay, whatever, big movie, big success. The immediate announcement was they were shooting two and three already and that it would be out in two years. And they you know, it's gonna be like the Matrix two and three where they did it together. And right. we still don't have Avatar two and three. <laughs> Not that I'm really waiting for it. I haven't lost a lot of sleep over Avatar. Have you seen it recently? Have you seen it since it came out?
1: No, I have not, and I'm okay with that. I've seen it in theaters. It was it was good at its time. Uh, the, the the CGI was incredible, you know. And the tech behind the CGI was incredible, too. yeah. yeah. You have to see it in 3D. That's the one thing. I mean, that movie. I mental. saw it in
0: 3D, and I have to tell you a funny story. So I had a I we, we went as a group of friends uh, in New York. And Dude's friends, night out. Dude's night out. It was actually in the afternoon. And <laughs> my friend is a is, is a rugby player. He's, he's a big guy, um, you know. So he fell asleep through the movie, and all I all I remember from Avatar is the scene where. Uh, the two main characters, the, the boy and girl, um, they finally, you know, hook up. And it's basically, I think, one he needs to stick a tail in the other one's tail or something. Like the tails have to connect, something like that. And all I remember is my friend just snoring at the top of his lungs <laughs> at, at the Times Square movie theater, packed to the gills with people watching Avatar. Like the guy had checked out like a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> This was the climax of the movie, and nobody wasn't paying attention. It was just the tails that were touching each other. So that's what I remember. About the great, great movie.
1: That's that's a very uh, personal tale that you shared, pun intended.
0: That's right. <laughs>
1: So yeah, this this episode, you know, it's it's exactly that. But the only difference is we are releasing it as we speak. So, yeah. Th- that being said, what do you got on next on the list?
0: So this one is a bit of a recent edition. Uh, this was actually dovetailing the the uh, Blancpain Fifty Fathoms, uh, you know, vintage watches that we talked about um, last. In our short. yes. So, you know, if you don't want to spend $14,000 on, on a watch uh, for this look, you can actually, there is another alternative that came out. Squale is working with Amsterdam Watch Company for a limited edition a Blanc Pond 50 Fathoms vintage watch or vintage callback. Um, but the interesting thing is, um, they're using vintage cases. So Squadron wow. used to make cases for Blancpain in the 50s, right? So they used to make cases for Rolex. You know, They were a case maker before they were a watchmaker. Um, yes. And they found these new old stock Blancpain cases lying around. I, I don't know where they found them. Uh, so they found out 180 of these cases. So these are basically unused 35-millimeter cases um, that would have been uh, used in Blancpain's MC450 fathoms and the Rabel SA um, watches that were sold uh, in the U.S. market through the Waltham brand. Um, so they took these cases and basically recreated the Blancpain 50 Fathoms in that in that uh, basically historical case size. Um, they're doing two executions. They're calling one the Subino, uh, which is that classic matte black dial, Arabic numerals at 12, 3, 6, and 9. And it's got, you know, according to Warren and Wound, the original Bakelite bezel insert, Wow. I I can't believe that's actually true.
1: Yeah, that's incredible.
0: If if that's true, that's really, really incredible. Um, It definitely looks like it in the pictures, but I I really can't tell. Um, And then the other variation is the no radio bino, which is a, uh, instead of the Arabic numerals, uses a combination of circular and rectangular hour markers. Um, Interesting thing is that it's actually being, Outfitted with a Squale bracelet, uh, flat bracelet from the '80s. That's also new old stock. Um, And the interesting thing is, um, they're not—they're not using um, a very a common movement. So they're actually using the ETA twenty six seventy one, which is a smaller version of the twenty eight twenty four. Actually, I think it's mostly used for women's watches that are size a bit smaller. Uh, Yeah, that's what
1: the article references to it was targeted towards the ladies market.
0: Right. Right. And, and the reason for this is that, um, the 50 fathoms from the, the case size was or the 35 35 million cases were used for manual watches. These watches mm. in their original iteration were manual. So to put a ETA 2824 in there with a, with a rotor, a full size movement, you know, it wouldn't work. It's just too small. So they had to go for a smaller, Uh, movement size that is automatic which you know is the 2671 so i think there's a logic to it obviously it's an interesting and quirky choice but it makes sense given the case the case dimensions that they they didn't want to do a manual uh a manual movement in there so i think it's interesting so each each of the executions is limited to 60 pieces which leaves another 60 that they're going to do a third edition uh that they're going to eventually get to uh, so the sabino is priced at 1750 euro and the no radiobino is priced at 1875 um ta what are you, what do you, you think of
1: so couple of things so i mean this is a re- new old stock cases at 35 millimeters and everything um, so it's it's staying true to the original design you know back in the day but you were always ripping on me with my 36 millimeter c master
0: oh my gosh He's got me. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. All right. Okay. Yes. You got a good point there, Sanj. Why am I okay with that and not okay with this?
1: From here on out, I will not want to hear anything about my watch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sanj has always been touchy about this child-sized watch. Um,
1: It fits my wrist quite well.
0: The difference is that there is an adult version of that watch.
1: That is hundred percent true. There's a thirty nine, I think, even a forty two, maybe. Oh yeah.
0: So wait, what what size is that Seamaster?
1: Mine is a th- the thirty six. Thirty
0: six. Okay, okay. So I mean, I think Since... that's I think that's the only difference. Um, no, I, I I I I think it's awesome. But listen, I mean, at thirty five millimeters, <laughs> it's a very quirky design, right? Even the vintage watch aficionados like like you and I uh, pretend to be, at least. Um, Thirty-five millimeters is is pushing it to what would be acceptable for us. I, my humble well,
1: opinion, right? Yes, it is getting, I mean a bit small.
0: That that is it bit- is
1: small, but but that's small in today's society. You know, is considered decent in that era. I mean, you found you know military field watches at thirty-four.
0: No, I, I I completely agree, but I'm just saying for modern tastes. Oh yeah, would you go for this or would you go for a modern? Another um, homage to the Fifty Fathoms. That's sized at I don't know, forty millimeters or thirty-eight or I don't know, forty.
1: Good really. question. Right?
0: I, like, would I don't the know. size have... be it would turn off? I I don't know. It, you know, it's it's to each individual person. For me, it is pushing it. Thirty-five is is getting pretty small. But
1: yeah, I mean, it's hard. We I, I think we just have to wear the watch to see how it fits on our hands.
0: Yeah. So, or the, on our wrist, sir. Of sorry. the two, which one, which, what would you pick? I'll,
1: I'll take the Sabino because it's a very clean um, it, to, to, I like the 12369 indicators. Yeah. And it's a much cleaner look. I mean, I am not too big fan of the, the n- lack of radioactive sign that's going on there. So
0: I would take that. Um, I dig it. And they actually have a picture of the no radio with the um, flat length bracelet, which reminds me of the uh, Speedmaster flat link that i have for yes good State. point it looks it looks very yeah. similar and i for me that's that's mm-hmm. the combination to go for I, I think it looks really really cool
1: uh, again stuff. i i i'm surprised you know you went for the the shock factor the the color factor
0: you know what new year new me Sanch. you know it's uh you know i am i'm spreading my wings this coming 2021 no more, no more black and white for me. I'm, I'm gonna really. No
1: more black and white, but we're recording this in 2020. You do realize that, right? Damn it. All
0: right.
1: <laughs> I know, I know you're taking a head start, and I, and I do appreciate that. <laughs> All
0: right.
1: All Let's right. live in the present Let's moment.
0: Let's live in the present. All right. So okay. Oh, okay,
1: well, good. The, yeah. So me. wait, you mentioned the price, right? Seventeen fifty. S- oh, yeah, you $1750 did. Seventeen
0: fifty for the Sabino. Eighteen seventy five for the No Radio Sabino. You know? uh, yeah. Significantly cheaper. Significantly than... cheaper. And you're getting an actual vintage case, so um, it's it has its own quirks and its own advantages to this watch. And yeah, no, I, you know, if you ask me, I, I still think the Mark II uh, take on this is probably the best middle ground, where it's probably a little bit um, more modern in some aspects. Um, but this is not a bad uh, this is not a bad watch to get if you really want that 50 50s look. Um,
1: yeah. yeah i, I like not it. to say the fifty fathoms is uh what well, the the Houdinki special was a not a good looking watch is a, it's a phenomenal looking watch it's just fourteen grand is quite a bit of money
0: you know i, I i've already complained about Hodinki but it's becoming the you know the the brand that you know it's it's starting to face only you know the very high end it's really turning in a direction that um you know, it's fine for some people. I, I just I I think you're losing something by, you know, focusing on one side of the market a lot.
1: Well, I mean, let's hope 2021 brings up more cheaper alternatives. I mean, they do cover Seiko. That's you got to give them that. No,
0: they cover it, but I'm talking about their releases because they have their whole business line of having their own watches and their le's, right? True, just, true, uh, true. You know, I I. I would say my favorite Hodinky LE was that Oris Diver 65 that they had with the manual movement. Um, oh, okay. That's the only one that I, I, I thought, okay, they brought something there and it's not ridiculously priced. It was actually pretty reasonably priced for what it was. And I thought, you know, right. that, that was actually a really cool watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. So
1: For me, it was the Speedmaster. Which one? Um, I'm looking it up right now. The... The Omega Speedmaster Hodinki 10th Anniversary Limited Edition.
0: Oh, is that the um that Mark forty Speedmaster? Uh, yes. Hmm. Is that Mark 40 with the blue subdial?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, okay. yes.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, I, I like that one. A lot. <laughs> I'm not gonna
1: lie. <laughs> it's, it's I crazy. mean my only complaint yeah. is like those those two registers at the three and nine eat into the three and nine numeral apart from that it's a very attractive looking watch
0: yeah and 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 the and the and the issue here is that um you know even the the regular mark 40 watches are now just climbing in price now so where that was kind of the ugly you know stepchild that uh, in the Speedmaster series where you can get one for a relatively cheap price a couple years ago um you know now they're they've been climbing in value, um, so you know it, they're only going to become more collectible. And I've, but anyway, oh, yeah. this watch, I mean, 6,500 was the going rate at retail. It, it's a lot. You know it,
1: I don't it, know, it is a lot. But I must say, this is a limited edition watch. You know, it's got value. Yeah. And it's not that much more expensive. It's not significantly more expensive than the original Seamaster Speedmaster. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, if you're buying a Speedmaster retail, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're selling out four or five grand. So, you know, you're not. All right, let, me, the let me bring you you're this. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Not wrong.
1: yeah. Uh, let me put this more into perspective. Would you take this over the dark side of the moon, Speedmaster? Uh,
0: let me refresh my memory.
1: Here. Dark side of the moon is like eight grand, maybe eight to ten, because of the zirconium dioxide case. There's a couple iterations.
0: Case. Are you talking about? Um,
1: Just the black one. There's, there's also a gray side of the moon to run. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know. I I would probably take the H10 to be honest.
1: Yeah. Same here. I yeah. think there's a lot of uniqueness to the H10. Yeah. I I,
0: I like it, and I and I like that it's not, it's it's an off the beaten path speedmaster. Uh, you know, not too many people go crazy about the Mark 40 Speedmaster. It, it, it's, it's a refined, uh, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a unique taste. It's, it's a unique one among the line for people to go crazy about. But I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, so yeah, I, every once in a while I look for vintage Mark 40s. Um, yeah, and, and you know, you're looking at three or four grand now. It's, uh, it's starting to climb a bit too much for me.
1: Who said inflation was not an issue around this time? You know, everything's climbing in price. Speedmasters, Porsches. It's
0: true. It's true, man. It's true. So, uh, yeah. All right. So, good. What What do we got next?
1: All right. So, I'm gonna cover uh, another limited edition, but it's a very interesting. Love love le's. I. Do love wishing that they'll be more regular and more, Less you know, mass production. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay.
1: So this one is the Pissot Alpine Onboard Automatic Chronograph A110S. So yeah, a long, long name for a watch, but a very unique watch. It's meant for the Alpine 110S. Um, sports car that is part of the Alpine uh, brand, which is under Renault. Okay. So, if you don't know what an Alpine 110 looks like, it, it's a callback to the the 110, um, which is a you know a lightweight mid-engine sports car, um, which is fast, fun, and it's uh, you got rave reviews. Um, but this is a watch to complement that. So, Alpine released the 110 S, which is a more you know sportier uh, version of the 110 and when it was released it was released in a matte gray and with orange accents so the you know alpine and Tissot collab and released this particular watch and this watch actually has a lot of unique characteristics and i'm going to first break it down to that you can use this watch in three different ways so you can use it as a wristwatch okay you can actually attach this watch to your alpine dash if you had that 110s or a 110 oh. and use it as a timer beside the navigation system
0: oh wow okay
1: so that's kind of cool um, you take it off, or,
0: the, off your leather strap and you can put it on
1: supposedly yeah
0: interesting okay
1: or you can use it as a table clock and they even provide the stand Oh, the so the... You
0: are a hodinky guy. You're bringing up the tablecloth. Uh... Huh? All right.
1: <laughs> this is a much better and cheaper tablecloth. Got it. You can actually use it as a wristwatch. <laughs> all right.
0: <laughs> okay. That's that's interesting. <laughs>
1: Don't get me started with, with that tablecloth.
0: <laughs> this this is an interesting little uh, quirky little gimmick here. There's a watch three ways. Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, I mean it's 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 limited edition. It's only 516 pieces, but the way they they took the the design elements of the car and applied it to the watch is kind of unique, you know. So if you see the watch itself, it's a dual register chronograph with a date window at the six o'clock. At the hour indices, it's got this orange finish as well as the second sense and the border around the date window, yeah. as well as the pushes as well it's got a circular orange effect, you know, to mimic the orange accents that came with the released car. And it's got the gray, matte gray um, dial, which is similar to the color of the car that was released in. Um, some other unique takes, it's got uh, you uh, the outer of case, It's it's got this knurling.
0: Yeah, I, I, it reminds me of kind which, of Braymont, actually. Braymont kind of does that.
1: Yes, you're right, yeah. Yeah, you usually find this knurling on, like, say, the crown of a watch. Like, say, for example, the Seiko Samurai that we you yes. and I have. Um, But they applied it to the outer case of the watch. Um, The other cool thing is if you look at the seconds hand, if you look at the, not at the tip, but the other end, you'll see the Alpine um, logo.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: So a lot of clever little touches.
0: Little callbacks. Um, Okay. Very cool. Very cool. uh, So this is a VALJU 7750.
1: It's an iteration of that uh, version. So, you know, it's, it's probably not too s- different from the, you know, let's say the Hamilton that we talked about. Yeah, it is dual register, but, you know, it's still got 60 hours power reserve. Um, so it's probably some version of that value or ETA okay. Okay. Uh, movement. Um, the case is on the bigger side, unfortunately. It's 45 millimeters. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, this... it. it As a watch, it's compromised because, you know, it's used as a clock and a detachment to the dash. So the way it works is if you look at the box packaging, Tommy, you can see that you can connect, let's say, the main case of the watch to the back case, which has the straps. I see, I see. see. So
0: it detaches. The face actually detaches. Yeah,
1: it detaches. So that's kind of cool. That is
0: interesting. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest.
1: as a wristwatch, it kind of is compromised because if you look at the image above, again, we're referencing the same on a Chrome uh, site, it looks like it's sticking out quite a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's so, like on top of the lugs and on top of the back of the case. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. normally the case and the lugs are kind of like integrated in a sense, right, for a typical this watch. Is, this is a this bit too guy- strange for me. It's it's unique, all it's
0: right. A you know? it's, it's, it's a watch three ways. It's a turdu- you know? I, I don't know about
1: this. Uh, wait, before you go, we go further, you're not a fan of a turducken?
0: Uh, a turduckin well done, well fine, but you know a turducken is still a fully functional turkey, duck, and chicken. You know this is it really a fully functional wristwatch if, if the back comes off like this? I, I don't know. It it makes me uneasy, Sanch. You know that's all I'm going to say.
1: All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, so what do you like? What what do you think about the? Okay, apart from the case design, what do you think about the rest of the watch?
0: I I, I like the design. I I I think um you know I like the knurling. I I do like the color choices. I, it makes sense. I do like that the pushers and the hour markers and the 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 date window all have the same orange accents along with the with the with the strap uh, stitching. So you know I I like that they put a lot of thought into that. Um, yeah, you know. If you're into it, or if you're into the into the car, I, I think it makes sense. I, and I'm gonna be honest with you, and this shouldn't come as any surprise. I've never heard of this car brand before, so I have-
1: No, so it's a revived brand. So like they, they brought, Renault brought the brand up a few years ago. And now it's going to be a bit more, let's say, marketed because the Renault Formula One team is going to be kind of branded as the Alpine F1 team starting next year. This is
0: like someone telling me that they're trying to sell a watch for Lada cars, okay? Like the old Soviet.
1: Listen, (laughs) pal, if there's a team, if there's a Formula One team that can get funding from Lada and it's significant enough, they'll slap (laughs) the logo onto their car. They don't care. They just want the money.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. How much is this going for? What's the price?
1: 2,190 euros. Okay, all right. And limited to 516 pieces. I did find on eBay, there's one guy, I believe, selling it for less than two grand. I think just under two grand.
0: Good Lord, it's already on eBay, and it's only 516 pieces? All right. Hey, man, I, I think some
1: people just want to flip I, it
0: I, I, for less. OK, so I, I think I think, uh, the, you
1: know, this pandemic, this pandemic has, you know, brought them to their knees. The the I seller, think
0: the verdict has been spoken on this watch. <laughs> bring out the shovel. we're bearing this one. <laughs> <Burying it>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My turn.
1: Go for All it. All right.
0: So we've talked about the Fab Four watches, uh, you know, the flight chronographs that were issued to the RAF. They, you know, Newmark, uh, Hamilton, CWC, Persista, They made they made similar watches. Um, there was a French analog to this, you know, at around the same time as these were called the Type Twenty chronographs, and there were seven brands that made it for the French Air Force and, and French Naval Air Force. Uh, one of the brands, uh, you know, has was defunct it was called air rain uh, a-i-r-a-i-n and it's actually now coming back um so oh okay it's being revived after a long decline and they're coming back with specifically the type 20 as the headline watch um so at this stage you know this is a weird kind of story here in that there actually isn't a watch to sell right now right so um, they are right now selling shares in the company. So you can invest in the company as an early investor. And then as part of that investment, depending on how much you're investing, you you can either get uh, dibs to order or, you know, as part of that investment can go toward producing that watch and you'd have a discount. Um, so it, it's a unique kind of funding mechanism. It's almost like a, like a Kickstarter campaign, but a bit more, um, a bit more involved, right? Um, but
1: this this sounds like the, the monorail funding in the Simpsons, you know. <laughs> they're they're gonna take your <laughs> they're gonna take their money and go to Tahiti. <laughs> no, I, I, I
0: I I think it's an interesting concept. Um, you know. Um, I, I, I don't have a lot of visibility on what the actual eventual price will be of the watches. No, actually no it says they're, they're should be for about three grand for the Type 20. Um, which, you know, it, it I think that's reasonable. I think that's entirely reasonable. Uh, it's a classic flight watch, you know, bicompacts, uh, Arabic numerals, you know, you're talking black dial, steel, steel bezel. Um, it, it is the, you know, Brigade does the type 20, you know, Aracost, A-U-R-I-C-O-S-T-E, another company that used to make the type 20. So uh, this is a very famous design. Um, I'm actually surprised that no, it it's taken this long for Arian to come back. It, it's a pretty storied brand. If you're into vintage watches, you're quite familiar with them. So um, yeah, you know, uh, stay tuned. You know, we'll we'll definitely cover it once it's uh, once it's out. They're shooting for first batch delivery in July 2021. So uh, I, I would assume that they're 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 pretty far along in the development process, and that they're going to be you know get you know getting into production early next year. Um, you know, with a, with a timeline like that, but uh, yeah. So investors benefit from lower prices. Uh, so if you, wanna, if you want to, if you want to take that route, you can. Otherwise, I think you can pre-order w- without being an investor, um, and you can get the Type Twenty for about three grand. So yeah, what are your thoughts, Sanch?
1: I think it's a very attractive watch. I think it, if they really execute this this design, it 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 it's very well done. Um, it's very vintagey looking. Um, the bezel, I like the bezel, even though it, it it's not really let's say legible, you know, it doesn't have any super luminova markings or anything like that. But I just like the look of it. Um, the other thing, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, Tommy. Part of the reason why BB three grand is it's a chronograph but with flyback functionality. Oh,
0: I actually didn't mention that. That's right. That's right. Uh, so you're getting a little extra.
1: Yeah, and I think that explains it because th- those functions or or you know complications are generally a bit more complicated to make. I mean, chronographs are generally on the complicated side, and then you have a flyback capability, you know, to retime or restart your timing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it's a bit more on the. Smaller side, too, 38 millimeter.
0: Yeah, they, they tried to keep it pretty faithful. Haselite uh, crystal, um, you know, 38 millimeter size. Um, yeah, you know, I, there's comparisons online of, of, of the original Type 20 and, and the reissue. And I got to say, it's it's really faithful. They haven't really cut a lot of corners here. So um, it actually reminds yeah, no, it's me a very... of the Seduna chronograph. Um, I mentioned this. Do you remember this? It was I think we covered we it once. Did. Yeah. So it was what was issued to Swedish pilots flying the Saab Biggin in the seventies. A company brought back the Seduna uh you know chronograph that they were issued. And it's it's a similar kind of vibe, it's a similar kind of project. Um yeah, so I, I think it's very attractive. The Seduna, I think you can get it for nineteen hundred. So it's, it's it's a bit cheaper. You're you me about a grand. Uh but obviously, you know, if you want a type twenty and you're not you're not going to pay the brigade price or god knows what they're charging.
1: this uh, you'll be shocked. What
0: what what does a brigade type 20 go for right now?
1: On the second-hand on market? The,
0: on the first-hand market.
1: I have no clue what's on the what first-hand the market, second-hand. but on the second. 5 to 6 grand. Jeez. That I mean that's Okay, not, so that, it's not the end
0: of the world, but it, it is it is pretty high for a tool watch chronograph.
1: Yeah, but it's a it's a brigade. Okay, but
0: okay. Elaborate. <laughs> I mean, I understand it's a very old.
1: Breguet, I mean, but, okay. I mean, brigade is like the you know you have to put them in the same level as you know uh, AP for example. They they're a very well story brand no, no, and I, they make I, extremely high end watches. I'm not you
0: know I'm not. Uh...
1: They made your favorite movement, Tommy. They've invented your favorite movement,
0: the the tourbillon. Yes. I I think Marie Antoinette had a Breguet on, right? Or she had a yes, yes, um, clock or something.
1: She commissioned, I think. I I don't know which, because you know Breguet is named after the 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 watchmaker Breguet. I think is John Louis Abraham or John Abraham Breguet or something like that. Louis Abraham Breguet. so she commissioned him to make a very complicated watch and he was back then one can say he was probably one of the the greatest watchmaker you know I appreciate the history. because he's
0: i i appreciate the the cojones <sighs> it takes to charge what they're charging for two watches
1: okay so you're getting a type 20 which is you know was used in the french air force for six five to six grand and you say that's expensive
0: I mean, what's in it, I, I'm not, I, listen, I, I'm going to be attacked for this. Okay. I understand Breguet is a very storied brand. I, I'm not attacking Breguet. Okay. But why wouldn't you get the air in? I, I, I mean, it's more faithful. There's nothing wrong yeah, in getting it. I, I feel like if you can get a tool watch with history and, and you're checking that box and you're getting the type 20 chronograph, I, I, I don't know why you would choose to go. I don't know. I, get the air in. That, uh, so let
1: fine. me flip yeah. it the other side. Yeah. I, okay. So let's, let's, there's nothing wrong with this airing watch. Uh, it's great that they're bringing it back. The watch looks very attractive and everything. I'm just, you know, uh, going on just with Breguet alone. Why would you not get a type 20 watch? It's probably like the most, uh, the depreciated watch deal for, if you're looking at a high end watchmaker point of view.
0: Depreciated?
1: Oh, yeah. I think this, that watch, for some reason, depreciates. That's why it's five, six grand.
0: What, what do you think it goes for retail? I guess that's my question.
1: I have no clue.
0: Okay, so you, so no, you I, admit you don't know what you're talking about.
1: I, no, I do know <laughs> a little bit what I'm talking about. <laughs> all
0: right, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get your chestnuts out of the fire, okay? So, an, a new Breguet Type 21 chronograph, all right, which is, I think, a... An update or whatever it goes for about fourteen grand on, at Neiman Marcus. All right, so let that be a marker in the sand. At least that's the neighborhood that you're playing in. Um, the interesting thing. Right
1: is, now, if you can pick these, if you can pick these up for five six grand in the secondhand market from fourteen grand, that's a quite a good deal.
0: It is, but I mean, I, I'm surprised. Usually, you're the one complaining about how expensive watches are, and. You're now trying to sell yeah. me on a five, six grand brigade.
1: Yeah, uh, you are trying to sell the public on a $14,000 black pair watch. No,
0: I'm telling them to get the Mark II into <laughs> the Mark II execution of <laughs> Quite the opposite, actually. So interestingly, um, eBay has an airing Type 20 original. All right, Valjoux 222 movement from the 1960s going for 7,800. And I'm looking at it side by side with the reissue. It's pretty faithful. It's uh, the reissue's done really well. Um, I'll put pictures on the Instagram when we uh, finish the episode. But um, it's pretty yeah. impressive what they've but I mean accomplished. Here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm accomplished too. But I personally would just go for the brigade.
0: Yeah, but it's like, dude, it's more exp- it's like double the price used.
1: I know, I know, but. This is a okay. Your company, Breguet, which has already resources and everything set up, they probably have make their watches to the highest quality. Uh, I'm sure Erin will make a fantastic I, I, watch, I, and I would recommend it.
0: I just think that the normal, like, you know, we've criticized Rolex in the past for overcharging based on their brand and, and the pixie dust and, and the angels' tears that allegedly happens behind closed doors that we're all supposed to pay a premium for. And Breguet, you're buying it hook, line, and sinker. You have no idea. I mean, okay, it's an old brand, but I don't know. It it, it Uh,
1: sounds like a a
0: David Koresh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, (laughs) cult-like sudden, you know, loyalty here. I'm not sure why. (laughs) (laughs) With Breguet, you don't care what they're charging. You're on board.
1: (laughs) The difference is that David Koresh got off and is still kicking around. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: you're, you're highly suggestible, Sanch. You you will you will pay anything if Breguet tells you to pay it. Right? <laughs> I
1: don't know. I'm paying. I'm telling people to go for the second hand market. <laughs> Screw retail. I I remember for my bachelor party. Uh, in a few years ago and you know and thankfully, you know, you were a part of this experience. I I don't know if you were there when I was in the I think I was in one of the boutiques at the your or yeah. Encore. Yeah, yeah. I, we went to one of the watch boutiques and I was giving this guy a, a, a hard time telling him that that Navitimer timer that he was selling for retail was ridiculously overpriced. Mind you, I was completely pissed drunk. But I was like, man, you can find this for half the price on eBay, yeah, man. Yeah. And I just walked away. Meanwhile, yeah. I was dressed. I was dressed up with just a T-shirt, jeans, nothing on fancy at in all. in Vegas. And I'm times walked...
0: they're selling those watches to anybody, you know. But even even still <laughs> no, drunk, I mean... if that guy had a brigade, you you would you would pay up. you be like, oh.
1: I I would have just cancelled, you know, the the reservation to the hall, the wedding hall for the brigade. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh boy. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I do have uh, a slight asphyxiation towards the Type Twenty brigade. I I do like that watch a lot.
0: Specifically, the brigade version.
1: Yes, but the Arion is a very well executed watch. I I truly say that.
0: Okay. I- this is going to be like, uh, like you know, in The Sopranos, when Tony has to go sit down with The Shrink and, and, and kind of unpack all his thoughts and feelings. I feel like your fixation on Breguet is one of those processes. Like, we're going to need to unpack this over the next couple episodes. But...
1: You know, what's also... I think we're living in a bizarre world where you're actually, for the first time, recommending you know, an affordable watch relative to me where I usually rip on you and for saying, this is way it's, too expensive. It's very
0: strange. You suddenly lost all fear of spending money. Um,
1: and now I'm going black and white with my it's watches. Bizarre. It's, yeah. I, yeah. It's bizarro, bizarro podcast. We should change the title.
0: <laughs> Episode 30 bizarro world. All right. So yeah, that's the, that's the type 20. Uh, obviously stay tuned. Once these watches get out in the wild, we'll probably get a, a full write up. But uh Still,
1: pretty yeah, exciting. no, I'm excited to see this watch in yeah in the field and reviews because it's got a lot going for it. I'm, yeah, I must I, say,
0: I, I like the tag 20s coming out. I, I kind of wish somebody would do like a like a new mark and bring a really affordable version out. Um, you know, so fingers crossed. But still, three thousand isn't terrible. Uh, what do you what do you got next, Sanch? Uh,
1: famous last words. Three thousand isn't <laughs> terrible. We're living in a pandemic. <laughs> you're saying three thousand isn't so terrible.
0: We're talking, we're talking but, automatic paragraphs uh, here. Right? It is what it is.
1: I don't know if you're still blue collar, blue People jeans. you were just telling me to
0: buy a brigade, man. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> it's like getting a Rolls Royce yeah, for half the crop yeah, price. Yeah.
0: Yeah, those cars are are great long-term investments.
1: (laughs) I I mean, I'm not going to mention about the servicing costs, but great value.
0: Yeah, it's it's something, all right. All right, so what what do you got next, Sanj?
1: All right, so the one I'm going to cover is fairly short. Um, I think we covered the line previously. Uh, It's the Longines Spirit. Uh, which is their their line of aviation pilot themed watches, kind of to call back to a, kind of like their heritage. So, you know, Longines has a deep heritage. Their, you know supply watches to, I think, uh, famous uh, world records back in the day. You know, whether it's crossing the Atlantic or anything I'm like that. I'm
0: imagining Charles Lindbergh. Uh, I think Charles
1: yeah, Lindbergh. He, yeah.
0: You know other famous aviators at that time wearing long jeans. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: So, this particular one that we're going to cover is an attractive, like silver dial, like a grainy textured dial version of a three-hander with a date what window the at the three o'clock. Model? I
0: don't think you mentioned me
1: it yet. It's the Longines Spirit Reference L 38104732 four seventy three two. It's part of the collection, I believe. There's even a chronograph, which I believe we covered too, um, but. It's a very clean aesthetic-looking watch. Um, the it's Arabic numerals, except for the three o'clock, where it's replaced with the date. And the the numerals are also you know uh, loomed yeah. as well. And it's a nice little detail as well. There's a, like an outer ring that has like a minute track. Okay. And every hour, which for the minute track is every five minutes, there's a diamond loomed indices. Huh. And the second Sands has got this diamond tip, which is also in red, I believe. Okay. Uh, so it's a very well-executed watch. Um, it's The movement is COSC certified, too. So it's chronometer rated. So it's highly accurate. So it explains a little bit of the price, which is a little bit on the what expensive they, side. they,
0: are they asking for
1: this? I think $2,150. For bucks. A Yes. All right. (laughs)
0: Are you you done? Is there there anything more you want to talk about this one?
1: No, that's pretty much it. It comes with a strap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds good. What are Uh, your thoughts? You picking this up or what?
1: No, probably not. It's a nice, I, I just like the look of the watch, but I wouldn't pick this up. It's too expensive, yeah. man.
0: Three, yeah.
1: Now, now, if you were to compare this to an IWC Pilot Watch. Three-hander. It may be, yeah, the three-hander. It's probably a bit on the uh, more affordable side. I'm pretty sure it's cheaper than that. The equivalent if you're bringing IWC up IWC
0: pilot. for a value discussion, you know, you, <laughs> you, you've you already made a mistake there. <laughs> I, mean, I love those watches, but, you know, it's the, the pricing for them. Yeah, is insane. let's. I, I can't, I can't uh, wrap my head around it. So, yeah. I, okay. Sounds good. Is it my turn?
1: Yeah, I think that covers the launch sheets. I, like I said, nothing much to really explain in detail apart from the fact that it's a cost-certified three-hander and it's expensive. Right,
0: so I am going to pivot to Seiko. Because that's what. Oh no! That's what the people
1: expect. <laughs> oh, no, not again! What I like to do.
0: I like to do it.
1: This is no. Let's just say it's what Damn you like right. to do.
0: Damn right.
1: So. Let us let, let the listeners know that we are not in any way affiliated with Seiko, nor are we sponsored by Seiko or connected in Seiko in any way. We just love the brand. I, to- some some more than others. Me and Tommy more really, than
0: me. I mean, you own a lot of Seikos too, man.
1: I do, but you—you you are knee deep in love Seiko. It. You're if you can, if you can drape yourself in Seiko, you would do it. <laughs> it. You would get a Seiko for your for ankles, you know, the, <laughs> ankles love watches in Seiko.
0: So, uh, this year is All 50th right. anniversary, 55th anniversary of Seiko 62 Moss, which was its first professional dive watch. To commemorate this, they actually have two. Uh, limited edition anniversary watches. Uh, So the first one is the 62MAS uh, reinterpretation. It's the reference SLA043J1. Um, Interesting look, ice blue seconds hands, dark blue dial. Um, It's it's a theme for this anniversary. Um, So they're using ever brilliant steel, which is used for the case, and they're issuing it with a blue silicon strap. Uh, Ticking inside is the 8L35 movement, 50 hours of power reserve. Uh, 1,700 pieces at 4,800 euro. All right, and the other iteration is the Captain Willard. So they're already iterating the Captain Willard, even though it's a relatively recent release. Um, this was the SPB 183J1, um, similar on, on theme for the anniversary, blue dial, blue bezel, um, yellow seconds hands. It's a completely different look for the the Willard. Uh, blue silicone strap, you know, 6R35 movement. This one's limited to 5,500 pieces, 1450 euros So uh, that's the quick rundown. Um, you know, both of these models already already are in the line, so it's not like they're making a new watch here. It's really a question of different colorways. Um, but you know, I, I I think I think it brings a little different design flavor to it um, with the fifty-fifth anniversary livery. Um, I think the Captain Willer looks completely different. Uh, it is a completely different take on that watch. Uh, they've already done a green one, uh, the SPB and the SPB line. Um, and yeah, so that's different from the black and white traditional Willard. Uh, but the blue with the yellow seconds hand and then the stoplight seconds hand, I I really like it. I think it's really attractive. Um, it's a completely different watch uh, from what they started with. So I don't know. That, that's pretty much it. You know, nothing groundbreaking, but I think it's just a different color colorway that uh, we can talk about.
1: I would probably go for the SLA 043J1.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: I like the two the 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 contrasting dial bezel combo.
0: Yeah, I I like it too. I I like the second hand. That that ice blue second hand is really really pops in the best way.
1: Uh, The Captain Willard, the case it's a little bit too big for you. I won't say too big. It's just that you know that. Expose that additional material on where the crown is. It's a bit much yeah. for me. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean,
0: it's it, it's a might watch. You know, I would you would I think generally speaking, you'd probably take the traditional turtle over the Captain Willard, not the traditional, but the later.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's why I have the SRP seven seven five. But uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, you know, I think groundbreaking. Just wanted to. Talk can't help myself.
1: You can't help yourself. No, the, the, these are very, again, once again, Seiko's done a bang up job with, uh, with these two releases. It's very, they really make really attractive dive watches, I yeah. must say. Yeah, love them,
0: love them. Um, all right, so last one is uh, the Topper slash Horus Diver 65, uh, 1965 Maxi Limited Edition. Uh, So obviously Diver 65 has been iterated many, many times. Hodinkee has an LE. You know, a lot of these guys have LEs with them. Um, What they did differently with this one is that they have a a maxi version of the watch. Uh, So it's sized at 42 millimeters. Um, So the original was sized at 36 millimeters. Um, So this is a slightly, you know, a bigger take on that. Um, Along with, sorry, so the original lineup was 36 along with either the 40 or 42 millimeters this is this they're calling the maxi and 42 millimeters Uh, but it's got some vintage callbacks to it Um, the loom is pre-aged so it looks like it it, you know what you know it came from the mid 1960s Um, and interestingly it's got anti-shock and 26 jewels on the dial like the original diver 65 said um, on the dial Um, obviously the the more recent ones have, have, have skewed it Other than that, you know, you've got the uh, exposed crown and, you know, the traditional vintage callbacks that you would expect. This version of Diver 65 has those funky 12369 hour markers that, uh, you know, are in the white square. Um,
1: Other than that, you
0: know, it's pretty consistent with the rest of Diver 65 uh, look. Um, Yeah, you know, something different. Topper, uh, Topper releases are really pretty attractive. They put a lot of thought into it. Um I don't know. What are your thoughts here?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's to be honest, it's not that different from like say the regular diver yes. sixty five.
0: Yeah, and that's I mean, how I feel too. I feel like you really need to know the diver sixty five inside and out to appreciate what they did here.
1: Yeah, I mean this is for the hardcore enthusiast to my eyes. Um what's the damage on this? Yeah. Just my recommendations get the regular diver I mean, sixty five.
0: The regular diver sixty five is, you know, fifteen hundred to two thousand bucks. So it's not like it's that. No, nah, I think you can get that retail? for
1: on uh, Joma yeah, I'm Shop. Saying retail. Oh, retail. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But
0: yeah, I mean, great market. You 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 can find some
1: deals. But uh, yeah, I. It's, the thing is that I. I prefer the non-numeral Diver 65, you know, the one with the circular so the indices and the rectangles. When
0: 65 first came out, I liked the, the funky 12369. Now I agree with you. I actually prefer the non-numeral
1: one. Yeah, I think it's just a little bit cleaner. The one thing I wanted to bring up is the, the you said it comes pre-aged. So the regular Diver 65s, didn't they have like the Fortina like look?
0: Or am I mistaken? I'd have to take a look at what the original iterations were because there are so many iterations of this watch, it's actually pretty difficult to keep track. Right. Some of them did. Some of them have like gold access, not age loom. Yeah.
1: Like, like the one I'm referring to is like a creamy, little bit on the creamier side. Not like like a real Fortina look, like you'll get on, let's like, say, the the Bond Omega yes. Seamaster, but uh, a little bit non non-white, non-white. Let's just say.
0: Uh, there may be some truth to that.
1: There I, I be could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, we, I think right. honestly, we'll have to see. I think we'll have to see the watches side by side to really get a good length. Maybe the pictures that we're seeing don't really show the pre ageness of it, but just that was my first gotcha. thought. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. It's an attractive, it's, it's 2450. Yeah, uh, I don't
0: know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many iterations of the Oris Diver 65 out there that I, I think look really, really good. Um, if you like this one, obviously go for it, but, um, you know, if you, if, if you're flexible i would say shop around you, there's a lot of cool takes on this watch and i i still want to get one I, I i still think it's a really cool watch
1: oh i know i mean this is along with the tutima bund this was the other watch that you always I, I remember love with
0: the tutima bund I, uh, I i don't think i have a wrist for it, it it's a bit too big <laughs> yeah but
1: ah so that love affair it's, has ended yeah uh five years well, the, and, count, the, and, and, and it ended Zen end.
0: really kind of took its place there you know this Zen 144 that i have so yeah gotcha it, it gotcha, gotcha. but you know it's still a beautiful watch i like it a lot it's it just i don't know if i could actually wear it uh but anyway this oris diver 65 maxi limited to 165 examples so chances are it's already been sold out uh but probably yeah interesting take all right so i think that's all we had for new watches
1: that is yeah, correct.
0: I, I think we're gonna do watch buying, and you've got two picks for watch buying this week.
1: Yes, these very are impressive. two two picks. That, yeah, I mean these are quick picks that I found. So they're both on Joma Shop. So I'll start off with the first one. It is the Mido Multi Fort Chronograph Automatic Mens, and it's a very unique watch where it has uh, a crown at the three. Eight and ten o'clock, and pushers for the chronograph at the two and four. Uh, I'm not too sure what the left side, let's say, of the watch those those do exactly. Um, I think one of them does adjust the the inner ring if it's uh, since it's like a diver-looking watch. Um, but it is a chronograph. Um, it's water resistant to 200 meters, and it's for sale for 800 bucks.
0: 2200. That is. That's a pretty steep,
1: uh, steep, uh, sale there, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a white dial. Um, so it's got black indices apart from where the registers yeah. are, and it's got an inner, inner uh, dive bezel. So I'm not sure if it's really, let's say a super compressor, let's just say, but it's got the look of it. Okay. Um, yay or nay this was a bit I, I was thinking this might be a little bit on the controversial side for you uh,
0: doesn't really speak to me but you know it, you do you as, as, as the kids say
1: and this is a famous line that tom uses on me quite consistently <laughs> you, <do> you. <laughs> you be you you do you <laughs> in other words it's like take, take care. care
0: it's 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 fine I like. Yeah. Your, what's your second pick what do you got
1: I actually think that one is something you would like. So it's, it's Oris. It's a Cronoris automatic black uh, Ooh. men's watch. Uh, retailing for eight ninety five. And it's, if you look at the watch, it's, it's a vintagey 70s looking sports love watch. It. I love uh, it. And the case is very unique. I, would you call that a cushion case? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah so it's got a, a brushed front with um polished sides like angled sides and the it's got two unique bezels so one of them is probably the crown for the time and the date, and the other one's probably i think for the inner ring and the uh, the the indices are you know very unique it's got like these orange squares with uh, loomed rectangles just underneath it and the second sand is painted in the same orange like as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we covered it when it came out. I do remember its release. Um, very funky '70s watch. I, I I really dig it. This is the one I would get, Yeah, I would, the two
1: yeah, I would say so too. I, I even though it has less of a complication, just the attractiveness of the watch. watch.
0: All right, two two interesting picks from left field, but I like both. I like the second one at least. <laughs>
1: You know these are like jeans picks, you know
0: <laughs> that 's another Seinfeld reference for the, for the kids in the audience um, all right what do you got what do you got for streaming goals ah. is, is it time
1: I think it's time for streaming goals um anything you want to mention about Watch you're buying are we good get there the
0: yeah,
1: I think we're good <laughs> yeah, get the chronorus uh, so streaming gold. I actually came across this just recently. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not an aviation expert whatsoever, but I do have an appreciation and fascination for aviation uh, topics, especially more on the commercial side. Rather. And, and I think, Tommy, you're more on the military side. You're like the Jane's like, encyclopedia. I like when things go boom. Yes. Uh, whether it's test aircraft that go boom during testing or just, you know, dropping missiles and Preds. Uh, That's right. So, the one I'm going to talk about is the largest aircraft ever built by Britain, uh, which is the Bristol Brabazon. And I had no idea that this plane ever existed. So, when, if you go back to the 40s, late, you know, towards the tail end of World War II when the Allies were winning, the and uh, right after the war, you know, the UK, Britain was in a predicament how to kind of showcase and ex, you know improve its exports you know to fund because they they spent so much money during the war they had to reclaim some of these funds back so one of the ways they did was through technology and aerospace because they were ahead of the game than in many of the other countries this was covered in the other watch, uh, streaming goal that we mentioned episode, a few episodes ago uh, was cold war hot, hot jets. jets
0: great documentary yeah
1: Yes, yeah, so that covered the military side of things, which was probably more successful than the uh, commercial side of things. Um, so, this one here, the Bristol Barbizon, so the, the UK kind of issued out uh, uh, different air aircrafts, one of them being the de Havilland Comet, which is the first jet uh, commercial airplane. In the same time during production, they released this. They, they, contracted Bristol to make this unique large plane to catered towards the elite who would travel normally cross the Atlantic via like a cruise ship so they wanted to make something that was faster than a cruise ship but had the same say you know luxurious comforts let's just say so it was a very large aircraft um, about 177 feet I believe in length and the wingspan was 230 feet which was even longer than a 747. Um, but uh, the video highlights it, it was built in an era g- already gone. So, this, if you look at the picture of the Bristol Brabazon, it, it's a, it's a double decker yeah. in a sense. So, if you, it was like I said, it's meant to cater to the elite. So, it had only, I think, a maximum of maybe 100 passengers, but it had a theater inside, a dining room, a sleeping deck. Um, and then very comfortable seats and, and lots of space. That was the whole thing. That's wow. But, yeah. The the problem is it was the u- unique concept, but it was built on old technology. Turbo
0: prop engines, right? So
1: ter- piston, ter- oh, wow. piston engines, wow. not even. So it was supposed to come with turbo prop, which would have given a bit more speed advantage than let's say a piston engine there equivalent because it was a heavy aircraft. So they were maxing out the capabilities of the piston engine. It was basically eight pistons. So four on each side and two were connected to uh, a gearbox, which ran two sets of propellers. So it was a complicated setup. And the cruising speed was very low. It was like 250 miles an hour. So slow. And, you know, it was it was an old and old technology and the turbo prop was not ready yet. So they only built one and they had to cancel it because they tried, I think, two, three years just trying to market it. And British Airways, which was BOAC at the time, they were heavily involved with the design, but they actually ended up not buying it. Interesting so, story. Uh, yeah, very a, interesting. It's a great channel. I like yeah, mustard it,
0: a lot. They do a lot of good stuff on aviation.
1: Exactly, and that's the next thing I want to highlight. You know, to listeners, follow this channel, Mustard. If you're into unique aviation stories, this this channel really covers it, a very it in, in a very, in a very simple manner. You know, it's not too overtly technical or anything like that, but it, it's very well explained.
0: All right, Sanch. what do we got for uh, closing notes? Yeah.
1: All right, so for closing notes, I have a few, and I believe you have one as well. So the first one I'm going to cover is actually a listener and a friend of the podcast um, provided me this, so uh, thank you. Um, So it's basically a Jalopnik article, and it's titled Thousand Miles in Africa with the Ultimate Toyota Land Cruiser. So, Tommy, this is literally your pipe dream. dream. This is what you always... This is your dream. Unfortunately, you cannot get this Land Cruiser in the U.S., but if you were to go to South Africa for, let's say, if you have a midlife crisis, which I, you know, it could be soon. It could be next year. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I've, I've already reached sort of mine uh, early in the year. Um, anyways. So the author went to South Africa, and he had a, a layover in Johannesburg. He was supposed to cover the Land Rover Defender, the new Defender. But he decided to take a week and and kind of go around the Kruger National Park, which is a, a massive national park in South Africa. It's, it covers 7,700 acres, to just to give you an idea. So he reached out to Toyota, South Africa, and they loaned him out the... Toyota Land Cruiser 79 Series Namib Edition. Yeah. Okay. So, if you look at it, it's basically based on the 70 Series Toyota Land Cruiser, which was built since the 80s, but in South Africa, and I'm I'm guessing other markets as well. They continuously sold it and made it. Australia. And it was last updated Australia in
0: 2014 The 70 Series still for sale, right? So, yeah, I believe That's so. Where I've seen this vehicle before. Yeah.
1: So yeah, this is the kind of like the off-road package, special edition. You know, snorkel intake air, you know, more aggressive suspension, you know, extra lights and things like that. This is kind of like what you want to have wow, in gosh. your dream world, Tommy. I've, I've, um, so yeah, this I've is basically more
0: appreciation for the Go Land ahead. Cruiser. You know, when I talk about Land Rover, it's indestructible. You know, really, the Land Cruiser, the 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 70 series Land Cruiser, is the one I would get. Uh, you know that that is a really that's that's a good rival to the the Land Rover, really.
1: Uh, it's. I mean, you have the added reliability that it comes with. It's yeah. indestructible. I mean, Land Rover, the old Defenders, they're a hit or yeah. miss. You know,
0: from a serviceability standpoint. It's
1: extremely capable, yeah. But if something you know something could go wrong, it was not. Let's just say well put together as a Land Cruiser, you know, from by yeah. Toyota. So he he talks about his journeys. Um, so he, he he talks about how he goes around the park and everything. This model and, is a um, was a pickup truck, Had a near it was ca- an extended
0: cab pickup truck.
1: Yes, that's it's a pickup a, truck. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah, if you were to look at this, you wouldn't believe that they were still like it selling this very in old. today's world.
0: <laughs> you know. It, yeah,
1: like this is bare to the bones, basic with a like maybe just the the only thing that you can tell that's kind of modern is like say. The infotainment unit, that's it. Everything is still like the same as it was before. Even the interior, you can't even tell, apart from the infotainment. You know, it, it, everything's beefed up to last. I mean, you that's,
0: know? you know, we mentioned this last time, you know, some of the complaints of the new Land Rover is that it's soft and overly-reliant electronics. You know, here you've got a modern, or recently-produced, you know, truck that is as analog as you could get today, and it's highly desirable, you know, so...
1: There's Something to be said about that, yeah. I it's h yes. I think we had a little bit of a, a tiff last, I think, in the last short about the Land yes. Rover Defender, and I get why Land Rover did what they had to do. I totally understand it. I mean, if you look at, let's say, the um, the Wranglers that they're being made, yeah, it looks old school, but it's pretty high tech inside there. I think they're even making like an e axle version of the the Wrangler, so. I mean, you have to progress with the times, you know, with technology, but I really do appreciate the basic, the sheer simplicity of the, the 79 series love, Land Cruiser. I love Cruiser. those vehicles. It's I, awesome.
0: I, I fantasize about importing.
1: It will, yeah, your great-grandchildren will, will be able to drive this thing because it'll last that long. All
0: right, very cool, very cool read. Um, the next article, uh, next note, is, is something that's going to hit close to home Sanj. and i hope you're ready for this
1: oh it's boy about the cyberpunk yes. 2077
0: uh, video game disaster would you call it a disaster I, I would say it's a disaster
1: yeah i would have to s- okay so it depends on what system you have but San- yes it is a disaster
0: San- and you have it for uh, yeah
1: i i have a ps4 pro let's we got to make okay. that distinction
0: so the people who are who uh, you, who aren't you there, have now. the you know, this was a highly anticipated game. It's supposed to be like Blade Runner. Um, they were talking about it for many, many years. I'm not even sure how long ago they announced this game. It must be like three, four, five years ago. It was ago. like
1: seven, seven years, seven, years. seven, seven yeah. eight years in the making.
0: And uh it's an open world concept, uh, but basically the game launched uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was really, really glitchy. It did not uh, really perform very well on the consoles. Um, to the point that Sony actually pulled it from its PlayStation Store, which is pretty pretty radical, pretty unheard of. And basically told CD Projekt Red, the developer, to fix the bugs and bring it back. But until then, you know, they weren't going to sell it. So that's a pretty damning thing of Sony to do.
1: Um, Honestly, I, it 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 was a rushed product. I felt that they needed six more months to at least work on those bugs. you know it's one of those management things to my in my personal opinion you know management forcing it you know investors are anxious and pushing you know it's one of those things it's if you were to play the game okay so first of all do not get the game if you're if you have the older ps4 unit it'll run like trash if you have the ps4 pro for the most part it runs fine
0: okay so how many hours have you played so far
1: so I have actually finished the, game. Finished the so multiple, game. So there's multiple so there's multiple alter uh, endings to the game, you know. It's an RPG open world concept. Them? So I'll... no, I mean I picked one where I said I rather die and not fix myself. I mean, that might be a spoiler alert, but it is not because there's multiple endings. But I I I give you this. It is the best buggiest game I've ever played. It is the work that they were putting into this game, if they just had more time to refine it and clear out the bugs, the 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 city, which is just night city in the game, the way it's designed, it's incredible. I kid you not, I think I only sampled maybe 5% of that city. It is so big and so open world minded. It's incredible how much detail there what is. What kind
0: of bugs were you seeing?
1: Oh, just, you know, um, the, uh, it would crash every, like, two, three hours. It would, like, <laughs> kick me out. Um, that okay. was the main one.
0: It's, it's not unimportant, crashing and kicking out again. But...
1: And then some aspects, it was running a little bit slow, like, a little bit choppy on the frame rate. But for the most part, with the PS4 Pro, it was okay. There were some instances where, like, you know, the the passenger was not sitting properly... The AI for the open world or, you know, you know, let's say the NPCs, it's, it's inferior to Grand Theft at the moment, Grand Theft Auto. But there's a lot of, there's a lot to love this game. It's, it's a really fun game. The storyline is very, very good. I
0: definitely think it's an inventive narrative. I I do want to check it out. Um, But, you know, I, there's so many instances, I'm thinking of No Man's Sky, where you know you've got so much hype and so much expectation, and that builds in the narrative that you need to get this game out the door ASAP, and then basically the game is unfinished and buggy, and people are turned off and feel like they got ripped off. So, uh, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, this 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 game is honestly meant for high-end PCs or the PS5, Xbox One Series. Or Xbox Series X, or whatever they call it now, the next-gen console. So, when you play it on the high-end PCs, or when you get the the update to the next-gen consoles where it has ray tracing for lighting, the 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 images are stunning. It's it's truly a stunning game to look at.
0: All right, all right. So I'll reserve judgment. Okay, I I bandwagon because I I like to focus on these stories of corporate mayhem. Uh, but uh, you know. Oh yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Itself, it's it's a it's theme. it yeah, you would, yeah. you would love this yeah it's it's a blue collar blue jeans character trying to take down <laughs> the corporations you know
0: punk rock man very punk rock
1: it, it's very punk rock and um it's a very adult themed there's a lot of uh gore swearing yes, and sweet. romance okay. let's put it cool. that way
0: rated r here
1: basically right up your avenue right up here do not play this in front of kids that's what i have to say but yeah i i got i have i got addicted and i was you know have nothing else so to do in the holidays so i played it i will go back in but i think i might wait because the problem is i explored so little that once i get into it i'll spend like easily five six hours there was one day or i started at like 11 and it ended up at till six thirty so, in the morning okay I just couldn't stop. It was that I, much okay, fun of a game. So
0: this is when you should have been working on the show notes. I want to point that out here
1: for episode thirty. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to play Cyberpunk. <laughs> but I'm waiting for so CD project Red. They're, they're working on major patches early in the year. Um, they're not. They're gonna, They're being relentless the, with the updates. So I will wait a little bit till the, the updates idea, come. Uh, uh...
0: Releasing unfinished games that are glitchy and problematic and kicking people out and then relying on patches to fix it. I think, I think this is a habit that needs to die. Okay. So that's just my two cents. It, it needs to... Yeah. Stay. Because when, you, when you're paying the money, you're getting a product. You're not getting a half-finished...
1: And that's the problem. I think it was marketed too much as like the next big thing. And honestly, it has the potential to be the next big thing. There's so much potential in this game. But I think people were aiming, you know, it was marketed to be like the next stratosphere and people just got like the treetops, you know.
0: All right.
1: It, it's a very well thought of game, just executed. Very poorly. All right,
0: Cinch, Uh Last two articles, very quickly. What, what do we got?
1: So I think the next one I'm going to cover just recently came out. Um, it's Military Watches of the uh, world so this is done by Warren and wound and they they take great lengths covering military watches specifically to the israel defense force so the uh, israel so this is part one and it covers you know so at the time when uh, the idf was formed and uh, they didn't have any say local watch manufacturers or anything so they had to a get people to buy them, or you know, it was issued out to the military. So this one article talks about watches that were issued out to the to the field, and it covers a, a, a nicely what, what what they were able to to document. So interesting picks as to what they did, especially yeah. on the aviation side. Um, for example, they issued out the uh, Seamaster Omega Seamaster three hundred.
0: Vintage,
1: yeah, for uh, as an aviation yeah. watch, yeah, and later on the Avi Seamaster yeah. One Hundred and Twenty, um, so that was kind of cool, I, I you like know, the, using uh, a dive watch Con-G as an aviation that,
0: watch. That was issued as well. Super, super turn and Yes.
1: Turner- yes, and they talk about the. Di- yeah, and they they talk about the dive watch side awesome. too. So I hope there's more. than I believe there should be a part two coming soon. Yeah,
0: they did good read. I think British Army watches as well, if I remember right. Or watches of the Vietnam War. I think one runs a bit as well. So that's pretty cool. I, I like that they did do this. I hope they continue.
1: Yeah, and, and it's, they even, you know, showcase the watches that they talk about. Like, for example, uh, like you said, you know, Longines has a history of watches and, the IDF issued launching watches to the awesome. Air Force. Yo, yeah. so, so right. really Cool.
0: Last article for today.
1: Last article is from Hadinki and it's kind of like something that could be relevant to the listeners out there. It's how to demagnetize your watch. And that's actually the title of the Hadinki article. So it's a very simple uh, steps to say, okay, how to detect if you have a watch that's say magnetized. So, With electronics out there there's there's always some sort of magnetic interference you know we're always typing on laptops we're micro using microwaves or anything that has a magnetic field there's a high there's a possibility that we can um get into a situation where our watches are not keeping track of time because they're being magnetized and i've had that with my skx Uh, so for my skx my watch was moving quicker Uh, so you know it says you know how what quick way to Check if your watch is magnetized, is, you know, say using a compass and see if it changes direction as you bring the closer to your watch. And it talks about, you know, you getting a demagnetizer or taking to a dealer, but it it talks about, you know, using a simple demagnetizing tool and kind of the steps they would take to kind of demagnetize the watch. Um, And getting such a product is nothing too crazy at all. You can find it for like 15, 20 bucks on eBay or Amazon
0: demagnetizing your watches?
1: I think when I briefly read the article, it says if your watch is keeping track of time, you don't have to do but it. But is there any damage don't to doing
0: that? Like, should someone do this on a regular basis? I
1: don't know. I don't... Yeah. I don't think so. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, Tommy. Best
0: advice anyone's ever given me.
1: So a great article if you know to those watch collectors who are kind of curious and concerned about their watches who or specifically me- you know mechanical all watches
0: All right. So. good good housekeeping tips here you know little little tips from sanch um
1: yeah you know when i when i do come through with the podcast <laughs> notes i do come through with the podcast
0: all notes. right this is a big one this is a good one sanch I, I this was a good episode i i i want to pat you on the back for a job well done
1: pat you in the back, in the back followed right, by a slap to the face i'm not getting it out earlier this is a common theme <laughs> between us compliments followed by backhanded
0: Lazy son of a gun all right well
1: hey man i was knee deep in uh, night city uh, i couldn't stop right, well,
0: you're done now uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right well thanks again for joining us for another episode of the land jam podcast uh Definitely subscribe, please subscribe, please review us on iTunes and uh, give us a follow on Instagram and uh, Twitter.